Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm Derek Riley. I'm with Charlie Smith, and welcome to Dirty Water. With two gifted journalists, transform the traditional interview into a beautifully honed instrument of total exposure. Today's guest on Dirty Water is a daring multidiscipline surf with sea spray eyes shaped like pecans, skin the colour of buttered cocoa, and lips as red as if you just applied a fresh coat of pomegranate lipstick. Our guest is a ravishing success in a dying business called Pro Surfing. He is the first windsurfer to cross mighty Lake Michigan. He holds a world record time for the Molokai Wahoo paddle race. He is the winner of the WSL's XXL Biggest Wave Award and the Overall Performance Award. He was the youngest surfer ever to be inducted into the Surfing Hall of Fame, and he is, like the WSL owner, the billionaire non-surfer Dirk Ziff, a former Waterman of the Year. In February 2020, he dropped Jaws worldwide with a vision of a chop-hop to monster drop on a 30-footer at Nazare. Calling in amid the pink sunlight of Maui, without benefit of a filter lens, and gloriously and divinely barefoot, is Kyle Lanny. How are you? Good. I like your pussy palace. Thank you. This is the spot. Greatest <laughs> day of my adult life right here. <laughs> Perfect. Glad I could do that for you. <laughs> tell, tell us about that very pretty house you've got there, Kai. Um, well, it has a good view. I don't know if you could see it that well, but there's a lot of Is that a golf course <laughs> in your backyard? We play golf on it, yes. Wow. Where about, uh, you're in Maui, right? Maui, yeah. Just in Paia, by the airport. Kind of like 10 minutes away. Real quick, Kai. Are you a proud Mauian? Yes, I guess. You never think, you never think Kauai is the better island. I should just pull up stakes and go over there. Uh, no. I, I think, I mean, I love Kauai, but over here is just good for every sport. So, it's and I grew you, up here, born and raised. You never so. think... Oahu is the gathering place. Let me gather there. Um, just whenever it's winter time, at you know, on the North Shore. So that's the only time I think moving over there. But it's kind of crowded. So you're. I don't know. Maui's really good. You're Maui proud. Maui strong. Maui proud. Yes, because Jaws is here too. That's big wave in the world. Are, are you kidding me, Nazare? Kailani, I don't know if you've heard of this wave called Nazare uh-uh, on the Hawaiian that? island of Portugal. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I have a little Portuguese in me, so maybe that is just like uh, the outer islands. I mean, it completely is. Let's be honest. <laughs> it is. One ocean. Everyone's connected that way. Except for people in Texas who are only connected with their Waco wave pool. And I don't know if that really counts. I wish I had a Waco wave pool. In my backyard right here. You got to stick enough room right there. Why don't you put one in? Because <laughs> I need to make some money and fast. Are you kidding me? You're the only <laughs> professional surfer who's making money right now. Yeah, just not wave pool money. I, I got to go look at stocks right now, I think. I don't know about that. I think, you're, I think you could throw a Kyleni. I mean, what would your wave pool, if you could pick any of the techs, which would you pick? Probably the Waco one. It just seems efficient in space, energy, and you know, I want to improve my airs. So that's like the best air wave pool right now. 
I feel sad for your compatriot, Shane Magnuson, that you're totally shitting on his Palm Springs pool. Well, I think that was just the first prototype. I'm excited to see when they uh, rebuild that one and make it a little bigger because I think they were just with the space they had, right? I mean, that's what they, I, I've, I haven't been yet, but I've, I've heard it is rimmed with plywood. Yeah, I think it was just like a test to prove that they could do it. And now that they've really proven they can make an old wave full epic, imagine when they actually have the bottom all set properly and... Who knows? I'm sure the wave pools are just going to get really, really good in the next 10 years. But let's be honest, Maui Strong, you should have picked Shane's out of the gate. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Shane's a good guy. But he made Waco what it was, really. I don't think it would be what it was without him. So, Of course not. Of course not. The American wave machines would have been pieces of shit if it wasn't for Shane dancing on the keys. Yeah, no, I, def- I went there the first week it was open. Um, I somehow got lucky and you know, hit up Shane and went and it was like, it was just crazy to, they were just figuring out the waves then. And he was just, you know, he's like, Oh, we could do this. We could change that. And that was pretty exciting to see. And now it looks like they have it pretty dialed into every option that there is a couple new waves too. Are you a, are you a old friend of Shane's? I mean, I just know him from growing up here on Maui. He's quite a bit older, but just surfing with him. There's only so many spots that break here summer and winter on Maui. I feel like the younger the islands are, the less waves we actually have, the older they get, the more waves they get. So there's just a few key spots. You always end up running into people growing up here. So you kind of get to know everyone, small island, small, big island. Did you, did you grow up watching Maui Fever? Um, I remember when it came out, I think, I, I know he got kind of chased off the island, sort of like people were pissed. I don't know why. I thought it was funny. <laughs> he was, he was amazing at it. He was a, uh, he was a star, yeah. and he was a stud yeah. and a stud. I don't know. People are sensitive around here sometimes, so it's weird, oh. though, how they can turn on you so quick. <laughs> what are they sensitive about? Um, I guess they're just sensitive about everything that's not the standard, hasn't been around for a couple hundred years, maybe. Um, I don't know. Everyone's just very opinionated anywhere these days, so if you do something slightly different or if it Rub someone the wrong way, I think um, people have to voice their opinion about it. Do you ever rub? (laughs) Go, Chad. I'm just happy the beach grit is like always down the middle of being just non neutral, right? Yeah, neutral, no opinion, kind to everyone, welcoming. Yep. A welcoming place. Yeah, I like that website. It's good. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the New Jets. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your New Jets are as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Charlie? Ah, the one team I hate in the NBA is the Denver New Jets. They have always had an awful color scheme. Uh, they've had horrible players. I do believe, though, Allen Iverson once choked out their coach. Oh, wait, that was the Sixers. But anyhow, it's not a manly team, and shaving anything below your waist is not manly. What is the only manly thing to shave, Derek Riley? The only manly thing to shave is your face, Chaz. Exactly. And so I got one of these manscapes, honest and true, and was supposed to shave other things, only shave my face. I am beyond happy because I can cut out, like, the major stubbles, and then razor shave the rest of it without a massive rash. It's perfect. All right. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code dirtywater at manscaped.com. 
That is 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code DIRTYWATER. Chess, how many readers do we need to buy these fucking things? All we need is eight. And so if you're feeling generous and or boozed right now, just click because I'm telling you, as ain't a bum steer. It's great on the face. I can't account for anywhere else, but it works on the face. So get 20% off free shipping with the code DIRTYWATER at manscaped.com. Please remember to use the code DIRTYWATER. Eight. Eight of you. Do you, do you worry if the, if the people can turn nasty so quickly that one day they'll um, raid your um, compound and put your head on a stick in the revolution? Honestly, you never know. I feel like... Uh... I feel like you just have a good gate helps the cause a little bit, but no, I think uh, for the most, I mean, a lot of it's a lot of talk, but people get angry and I think they're actually kind of the minority. The majority of people here are just happy to be living their lives on Maui and, you know, doing their thing. That's what's kind of funny. It's like, I think a lot of celebrities choose to live here because people really don't care that much. Um, They're more excited when a pro surfer that, they look up two shows up like that's bigger deal when Kelly rocks into town here. I feel like. What about Zuckerberg though? When your buddy Mark rocks into town, he doesn't rock onto Maui. He goes to straight to Kauai. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it where you went e-foiling with him? Yeah. On the Nepali coast. So John, John and I sailed a foiling boat over and then um, linked up with him afterwards on uh, the Nepali coast. Just so happened we kind of were both out there. Like I had a ski and then we went down and they had their boats and just linked up that way. Oh, was it a chance meeting? In person, is he the devil or is he kind of chill? No, he's super chill. He's so cool. Like hanging out with Zuck is like, he's super nice. I think he gets a bad rap, to be honest. He's He seems pretty considerate about everything that's going on. And uh, I don't know, he seems like a really good guy. What sort of questions did you ask him? Um, I don't know. We just talked about foils. You didn't think ask him how to make a trillion dollars on the internet? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, but that's, you know, me and him and I conversation, you know, it's just between us right now. But when, so when you see a trillion dollars, then you'll know that he gave me some good advice. <laughs> <laughs> did you talk about Facebook and how you could have lots of friends? yeah no i mean i think he he said he was pretty stoked on the amount of followers i have on instagram and facebook i'm doing pretty good but a shout out would actually help quite a bit although i don't know like i like there was a pop he fully shouted you out though oh he did he he has yeah um but uh you know like a shout out like i don't know everyone follow kai because they should um (laughs) no uh it was funny because when we were on the coast, this pop—it's like I, my first experience seeing a paparazzi, and um, I didn't even know who it was. And I—I w- I did like a down the coast run after we kind of hung out by the caves. I went kind of way out to sea, and paparazzi was, I think, on his way back to the harbor or something. And I didn't—I just started talking to him because he came. I was like, "Oh, what oil are you riding?" and all this. And then later on, um, I realized that that was a paparazzi taking photos of Zuck, and then you know, I guess, including me and that whole thing. And then I was getting a lot of heated messages online. People were like, how could you do that? How could you be in the same vicinity as him? And I'm like, well, you're writing all of this to me on his platform. So it just seems kind of contradictory. (laughs) (laughs) 
So if you hate them so much, just, I don't know, don't use Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing um, that, you, that you can call the guy Zuck and hang out together. Yeah, I know. It's like also I, that you were just accidentally doing a down coast run and just ran into some other bro out there who happened to be Mark Zuckerberg. What yeah, is that, that what is this thinking down coast run? What do you mean by down coast run? Well, we just take our foils and ride open ocean swells for 10 miles at you know usually. So it's just like surfing Malibu with nobody out, just these open ocean swells, and the foil allows you to kind of ride them. Um, otherwise you wouldn't be able to go as long and as fast. So and, so, and you just, just but you happen to run into Mark Zuckerberg along your 10 mile run. So hey bro. Yeah. Sick. What yeah, was? and I know him. I've I've known him for a couple of years already. So it was just like it wasn't. It was just like oh yeah, because he was obviously on island, and I guess there's so many places to be. And that day for the coast run, it was just beautiful. It was so nice. And you just and you just said, hey, oh Zach, brother. Yeah, what's up? What's, what's going on? What's up? <laughs> That's nice sunscreen application. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He's in the end of the day, he'll probably have you know not as wrinkly skin as myself or many others <laughs> you're looking at me and Derek Riley right now who are the <laughs> pinnacles of wrinkly white skin <laughs> like crocodile handbags <laughs> yeah. hey so, so Cobb um there's not a lot about your background anywhere that I can find so I'd love to know your backstory so your dad's a real estate agent mom's a doctor came to uh, Maui in 1985 Tell us about their background and then about, you know, growing up and so forth. Sure. Um, so my parents are super hardworking people. Um, both of them came from very humble beginnings. My dad especially was uh, born and raised in Santa Barbara, but he was like him and his dad passed away when he was a young kid. And um, he basically grew up uh, super poor, ketchup sandwiches every day for school. So he worked mm -hmm. his way, went back to Maui for what brought him here was the surfing and the windsurfing. He worked his way kind of up the chain um, and, you know, gave my brother and I an amazing life. And then my mom, she grew up um, kind of moving all over the country. Her, her dad was in the uh, Air Force. And so she eventually- Oh, was he, went, was he in Vietnam? Uh, no, it was just after. Okay. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he flew fighter jets, which was pretty cool. Fuck, and, yeah. and so my mom ended up becoming a professional road bike racer. And then she went to school to become a doctor and, uh, windsurfing and surfing brought her to Maui. And then my parents met here and, you know, my brother and I were born in kind of the best place. And, um, they, uh, since they came from such humble beginnings, they really made sure that my brother and I had every opportunity to succeed. And because I grew up here, um, during kind of the prime time kind of growth of many water sports, I just, it was circumstances that I was in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, every pro athlete was coming through here. So it was pretty easy to, I think, get sponsored by, companies because they were coming here every spring to shoot their catalogs and stuff. Surfing on the other hand was obviously North shore based, um, mostly, but big wave surfing really, I think shined a light on Maui and we're allowed to film photo photos and video here. So it helps as a kid when you got to get your face out there. How's the, how's the genetic code you sprung from? The, I mean, you're um, kidding. I know they kind of sound like super parents. Road yeah. I got racing Dr. Mom and windsurfing dad. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my parents are awesome. They still, they do every sport I do. And, uh, so does my brother. 
but uh, no, they're just super humble people. And, um, you know, they always kind of reminded my brother and I growing up that you have to work hard to achieve what you get. And so we took it to heart and we both, I think, are pretty hard workers and are where we are today because of them giving us that sort of platform. What sort of uh, doctor is your mom? Uh, she worked at Kaiser for occupational medicine, and now she has her own practice just in town here. Um, so she's at the end of her career and uh, mainly wants to work less so she can play more in the ocean. Fuck, how good is that? So she had her own practice in town. Is that, do you live with your parents now? Is that your parents' house? No, I, my parents live just down the street, though, um, which is convenient. So it's like always go eat dinner at mom and pops. And uh, no, I, I'm lucky, though. It's nice to have a family that's as tight as we are because, you know, it's, I think, important during this time anyway. So we're looking at your uh, living room right now. And uh, for people who are just listen to this, it's pretty spectacular. It's got this cool ladder leading up into regions unknown or plywood walls and an expanse of grass. It must be um, about 100 yards long to the beachfront. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. Cause like where I live, um, you know, it's really windy here. There's not a lot of surf in the summer, but the, there's an outer reef that gets gigantic and I can do every sport from just in front of my house. And that was always a dream of mine growing up was being able to move closer to the beach. And, um, now that I'm a professional athlete, there's no excuses not to be on the water because it's just outside my front doorstep. And, um, you know, I can keep my sponsors happy and I could keep living the dream. So right now I'm living the dream. I'm going to keep trying to sail on through that. So you could theoretically grab a foil. I'm assuming there's foils and it's not a sex dungeon in your upstairs ladder room. You go up there and uh, yeah. have a foil. There's no foils up there, are there? Well, there's a foil right here. It's just right behind my head. Okay, that good. Was, the other day. Okay, we'll talk yeah. about the upstairs later. But uh, <laughs> you, you can go grab that, theoretically, run out the front, and hop your way to Oahu, if you so uh, desired. Good. You could. If your life depended on you could probably make it to Oahu. You'd hit Molokai probably first. From here, I could probably make it to Molokai. Um, just avoid Has anybody done the Maui-Oahu Maui run? Um, I have, yeah. But it's about 150 miles. So but you've done far. it? I've done it, yeah. How many times? I should uh, Sorry. From Maui to Oahu just once, um, but I've gone Maui, Molokai 20 times, um, Molokai to Oahu 15. So, Maui, Kauai? Uh, just did it with John John on sailing boat. So, but, not a, but not on the foil? Uh, we were on foils. <laughs> but on the sail foil? Yeah, we weren't, I never did it on the uh, normal foil, but it's the, one of the, probably the best run in the state in terms of if the conditions are good. Otherwise, you're in the doldrums floating to Tahiti. How, how long does it take the uh, Maui Kauai run? Maui Kauai run? Oh, that would take a while. That might take, I don't know, 15, 16 hours if you're cooking. You got it though. You're a fit yeah. young man. I mean, yeah, there's 24 hours in a day. You could easily do it in a day. <laughs> what, about the, what about the Maui to Oahu oh, run? Like, what did you do right? that on? What? What did you do the Maui to Oahu run on? Um, I've done it on everything from prone paddleboards to, uh, stand-up paddleboards to foils. Um, those are, cause they always do that race at the end of July, Molokai to Oahu. And, um, it was the one Jamie Mitchell dominated in for many, many years. So yeah. he doesn't I, anymore. I, I was nine. Huh? Is Jamie Mitchell a has-been now? Uh, no, he's still full send big waves, but I think he just shifted his focus to that. 
Um, Stick Jamie Mitchell. Ten years. Poor. <laughs> ten, ten years of winning in a row. I think he was almost maybe burnt out of doing the crossing because won 10 times in a row. I don't know how you're going to top that unless you go to 20. So he, uh, you can go to 11 and beat Kelly Slater is what you can do. You can be the 12 time world champion and have Kelly just weeping in his soup. Well, I think when he did finish or retire, Kelly was only at eight world titles. So like he retired and then, (laughs) and then Kelly one upped it, I guess, but in surfing. So you, so you grew up amongst the big guns, Rush Randall, Dave Kalama, and Laird and, uh, and those guys. <clears throat> were well, they, did they take you under their wing? Were they very kind to you? Yeah, I, they definitely were. Um, I, I kind of owe a lot to them just because they were always super cool and, you know, would occasionally give me a board or two and uh, kind of took me under the wing when we were out on the water together. So they were definitely my heroes growing up. Um, I think they were my surfing heroes because I was just so exposed to what they were doing out at Jaws. And it was such a new, fresh thing, surfing waves that big. And with them innovating toe and surfing and coming from all these other sports, you know, it's a small coastline, it's a small town, and everybody sees everyone every single day. So um, it was just, yeah, I think they really were part of the reason why I chose this path. So you were full on. Sorry, Derek. I have an important question here. If it was full-on zombie apocalypse and you can have Dave Kalama or Laird as your number two, who would you pick? Like zombies are literally coming. You you have to conquer the world. You got Kalama or Laird. Who's your choice? Um, Laird, I guess, because he would just pay the – he would sacrifice himself for me maybe. <laughs> really? So you're saying Dave Kalama's selfish? No, no, no. Uh, Dave is the is Dave's a legend. Dave's the man. But Dave's here. Laird's in Malibu, so I it probably end up being Dave since he'd be the one closest to me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're uh, you're probably old enough. You're born in '92. Do you remember when they were uh, towing him with the um, with little boat? The, little the Zodiac. The Zodiac. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was super cool. I mean, it was just no one had. I mean. If you go way back, uh, Herbie was towing, you know, pots into Second Reef and, you know, also his sons, Christian and Nathan. But on his, on his stand-up jet ski, huh? Stand-up jet ski. And I think that was the beginning, but um, I don't think that, like, I mean, the application for riding waves at the time that were too big to paddle, I think that's when everything clicked with that Zodiac, right? And, I mean once the kind of the hamster or the turtles as they've been coined over here, those really small jets sit down jet skis came out. I think that's when it really changed everything. But I think they were mainly using the Zodiac on Oahu. It was when they came over to Maui was really when those really tiny jet skis um, showed up. Um, and actually it's funny cause there's still a couple floating around. And um, I think one of the Walsh twins put like, an actually giant motor in one of the little ones. And it's the funniest thing you've ever seen, seeing this tiny jet ski go around. You couldn't believe they towed people into giant waves on those because it was arguably more dangerous than paddling in because those skis were just so unreliable. They do about 30 Ks an hour, huh? Yeah. Probably moved just fast enough to get you on the wave. So if you fell, you were probably on your own until you got pushed into the rocks of the channel and the, then the jet ski could get you. So do you, do you remember, obviously you remember, because you were 16 when you first surfed Piahi? 
Yeah, 16 years old, and I was on a hydrofoil. I got the call up from both Dave and Laird, and they said, hey, do you want to come up and foil with us? And I was like, yeah, sure. I definitely want to do that. And when I went up there, I had my snowboard boots. That's what you use back then the day with the foil. And the bottom of the sole fully just melted off, like was gone, um, just from all the salt kind of eating it away. And I remember getting towed up out of the water and my boots just coming off the board and just having no soles, just kind of the boot around the top of my foot and just falling over and seeing the look of disappointment on my hero's faces when they, uh, when they, they're like, gosh, this guy came and go straight, you know, he wants to try to foil out here with us. And then I put my foot in there and you could see the bottom of my foot. And then they were like, Oh, let's, let's switch boots. So I borrowed Dave's boots and, didn't fall, um, which was good because probably would have broken both my legs. And uh, yeah, got pretty lucky. When was the uh, aha moment when um, Laird and those guys realized, hmm, maybe it'd work better with that snowboard boots? Um, well, they were using snowboard boots well into um, the last, even the last few years. I think what changed was the foils started to go more carbon fiber and no one was really focusing on um, big waves. It was really like kind of only those guys. And um, I started experimenting with it in smaller waves. Um, downwind runs was the goal because I've been doing so many downwinders on these paddling crafts. I wanted to go faster. And I realized you didn't have to stand on a board with snowboard boots. Um, so Real I quick, started just paddling in. Explain downwind to people who have no idea what you're talking about. Like... If you're going against upwind on a foil, what's the what's the situation? So what happens is the wind is, especially here on Maui, we have a long coastline. The wind blows one direction, um, so east to west, and basically creates open ocean swells. And you can kind of run down the entire coast getting pushed and riding these tiny little waves. And with the foil, you lose the surface tension and you can fly and just ride on minimal energy. Whereas a surfboard has too much drag to ride these waves um, and connect them for long distances, the foil just cuts right through it. And so we're basically getting picked up down at the harbor, driven up to Maliko Gulch where most people launch to go to Jaws. And then you do a 10 mile coast run and the wind just blows you down the coast and you ride waves all the way down to the harbor, which is the end of the road. It's all the way... Um, when Maui kind of turns east facing again. Have you ever been snapped at by sharks like Michelle Berez? Did you see that? Uh, no, I've never, never have. I think a lot of times the reason why people get attacked by the foil or attacked while they're on the foil is because there's a noise that can be created just from maybe a bad trailing edge, which is the back of the foil. And it makes a whistling sound. So it's, I think it kind of, allows a shark to get curious and wonder what that is. So it kind of goes up and takes a bite, but all my foils are pretty quiet just because I make sure I sand it and, and have it silent, which is faster for the main purpose. And also most sea creatures don't know you're there because unlike a fish, a fish creates vibration by moving its fins to project forward. Whereas um, the foils really momentum and um, the kind of the lift of the swell, even when you're pumping, it's not kind of the same movement so you can kind of go through the ocean very silently. I I often run like next to sea creatures and they don't even know I'm there until I'm right in front of them. But 
it's nice because you see them before they see you most often. But what happened to Michelle, you know, luckily he didn't get actually bit. It was just the foil, which is kind of nice. It's far enough away. The creatures are usually more interested in that. So have you, have you ever sawn through any uh, sea creatures with your silent foil? Uh, no. Um, I usually see them beforehand. I've jumped off my board to avoid hitting something. Um, and usually they just go away, like they swim off. But when I was windsurfing, when I was uh, 13 years old, I was out in front of my house, just right over here. And um, my buddy was just learning how to windsurf and we were sailing back up during feeding time, which is 6 p.m. That's like when all the sharks come out to feed. And um, I was looking back at him and he started yelling at me and I couldn't understand what he was saying. And I looked forward and there was just 12 foot tiger shark just cruising down the coast. And a windsurfer, you're going about 25 miles per hour on average. And I just T-boned it. I hit it straight on and saw it last minute. I was able to turn and kind of bounce off its dorsal fin and grind off the nose of it. And Almost went over the handlebars, but caught myself. And in slow motion, I could just see half of this creature in the air. Um, and I later found out this massive shark that roams this coastline, the fisherman coined its name um, God because it's, you know, scares the living hell out of them. And, uh, you know, I formed a pretty good relationship after that. I saw it plenty of times, but I was the only one, I think, to ever attack it on accident <laughs> and it's never attacked me. So we're going to keep it that way. But he totally lived through it. He was fine. He was like, Oh, Kyle, is but grinding sharks, off my nose. Those sharks are so strong. I just, I remember I just had um, gotten a new board and I, my Red Bull sticker that was on the bottom was sanded clean off. Cause it was, those sharks are like sandpaper. And so when I came in, there was like this, sticker with you know yellow and red was sanded down to about white like the top was gone <laughs> it was just off of that one slide um i mean i was so light i was probably 80 pounds at the time just tiny kid and i just slid right off and was it didn't scare the, the shark got scared but it certainly didn't get hurt <laughs> fuck me was it a big girthy thing Sharks. Yeah, and it was like a couple years later, um, I saw some some of its kids swimming around behind it. So I think maybe around the time it, it was like maybe pregnant with other future sharks or something. I don't know. It was, it's still around. I'll see them occasionally. Just she just roams up and down the coast here. Um, sheepish, sheepish as fuck though, huh? Huh? <laughs> it's sheepish as fuck though it's just gonna stay away from that motherfucker shit i think now maybe no that's that's the landlord around these parts i think i just caught caught her off guard <laughs> just looks um, at you guys fuck that guy yeah no like although i've seen i've seen her later on and fully like if you don't believe a shark has a soul you know you just look in their eye and it's just so deep it's so scary i've like had it where the sharks come up and kind of looked at me and then kind of turned flat and then gone back down. And I think it recognized that it was me that with that. That was Kyle Lenny. Looked at you and go, shit, it's Kyle Lenny. Lenny. In some way there was like, I felt like mutual respect for a second. Like, all right, you know, you're pretty, you're, you're, you can be here too. Like we can coexist. And that was, that was a proud moment, I suppose. Unless maybe the thought was I'm going to get you later. <laughs> Wait till you have kids, Kylie. I'm gonna get the kids. <laughs> yeah, gosh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna wait. I'm gonna take it slow. I'm gonna live to 70 years old. And when you have children, I'm gonna kill your kids. I'm gonna eat them all up. <laughs> Possibly. 
Possibly. What about, uh, do you have any other shock stories? Um, I mean, it was funny because uh, the last, I think a couple of years ago when I was surfing Jaws, um, there, was, there was just this weird moment where it was like National Geographic. There were whales in the lineup and then Twiggy got attacked by a shark, um, which is ironic because he's from South Africa. And so he doesn't get attacked by a shark down there, but he gets attacked over here and the shark kept trying to charge his board. And he kept paddling towards it. And I remember just being maybe 100 yards away watching it and just going, these crazy South Africans. And then I think he got the biggest wave of the day right after. And he's like, so you just got It's that the damn thing with all you crazy people. There's sharks attacking you while you're trying to surf 50-foot waves and you're just laughing. <laughs> Ain't this I mean, funny. I think there's just a certain point where, you know, your life choices be beforehand, you just got to accept them. You're in it now. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, you know, big wave surfers, go let's ahead. Be honest. Are all big, I mean, should all big wave surfers, you included very much, you're sane presenting, but should you all be locked up in Alcatraz and just, I mean, you could try to foil your way off Alcatraz if you want. I mean, really, I think if we all were, it would be pretty funny. It'd be pretty fun because all these guys would like, it would all be a plot to try to get off the thing. And it would be more about how fun you could have doing it versus like actually trying to escape. Like, oh yeah, just jump in the current and don't try to swim to shore. They'll be waiting there. Just go out through the bridge and come around the corner. That would be kind of the thought process. I mean, okay, another, I, I pitch genius WSL stories all day, every day. It's part yes. of my job. But yeah, I feel... I did the World Surf League escape from Alcatraz with you and Twiggy and we'll throw in Grant. I mean, uh, stinking Jamie. We'll throw in anyone. Dave Kalama. Stinking Laird. <laughs> escape from Alcatraz would be the greatest programming they ever did. They stick you on, yeah. on Alcatraz and give you whatever tool you want. Honestly, though, first. I don't think it'd be that hard. Because I've done races guys. around the island. But you you also have to get out of prison first, so you have to like you're locked up. Yeah, yeah, and then back to Maui. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, what I would do is just commandeer a sailboat that was passing, and then just sail to Maui. It'd be kind of a you no brainer. S- Don't even go to. <laughs> are you that? Are you that capable in a yacht? Could you sail a, a yacht from say San Diego or San Francisco to uh, to Maui? I mean, I don't know if I'm that capable because I haven't done it yet, but I'm sure I could if I really had to. Um, so, I mean, if you could go from Oahu to Kauai, why can't you go California to Hawaii? Easy. It's just a it's little like, longer. I think it's five days. I think that's all it is. Record three days. Yeah, so exactly. But that's record. what I'm saying. You could do it in five easy. I mean, you would go yeah, for the record. Damn it, you do it in two and a half. Yeah. yeah, I think it's possible. If you're doing 40 knots, it'd be no worries. 40 knots is like 50 miles an hour, by the way. Eric Logan, FYI, here's your next hit. It'd be fun. Do you think as you get older, you'll be, um, you'll be start chasing world records? Are they the first person to ride a fall from, um, you know, San Francisco to Maui to Australia? Uh, uh, maybe. It's fun. Whatever's fun in the moment, um, and I guess if the opportunity presents itself, it's really expensive to do those big crossings. Like, it's not cheap i mean the boat itself is really expensive but it depends on what craft just the logistics of doing it is like really expensive more expensive than just grabbing your board and going surfing oh, but red bull I, has so much money in the world 
Oh my goodness. We yeah. can, I mean, we could pitch this Kurt Morgan filming Kyle Enny's Escape from Alcatraz. Were you foil slash sail from Alcatraz to Australia with a you know, I quick, like that idea. Yeah. A quick plate lunch on the way in Maui. Just stop by, have somebody toss you a, what is your favorite Mauian food? Uh, taco El Bean Burrito. So if somebody threw you one of those while you were passing, you'd be good. Yeah, totally. What <laughs> don't you think? Don't you think um, Taco Bell should sponsor the tour? Would be I mean, probably I don't good, know how right? you you've done such hard yards for Taco Bell. I don't know how they're not at this point. Yeah, I mean, I I think they should at least the big wave portion. There's so many people. Like for example, when I go out to Jaws, at first I would only maybe bring five burritos. That's like what I would need. But everyone in the lineup ends up eating the burritos. So we get 30 bean burritos before the swell and feed most people in the channel and lineup. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it'd be nice to be sponsored for that part. But I mean, in total, it only costs like 40 bucks probably. So it's pretty cheap. So you don't even get free burritos from Taco Bell? I've gotten like gift certificates. That's (laughs) cool. Um, I've used them all though. I don't mind like supporting them. I'm a little bummed though because they took one of my favorite um, items off the menu, the seven-layer burrito. It has everything. What? That's but- off the menu? Yeah, they're can- canceled. I couldn't believe it. That was my favorite one. That was like what I would eat when I came in from a session. But while I'm out in the water, just a bean and cheese is all I need. Jesus. It's such healthy, healthy fare. It is. <laughs> hey, let's, let's talk about your chop hop to Monster Drop on the 30-foot at Nazare. Yeah. <laughs> was, that, was that pre-planned or did you see a little ramp and go, fuck yeah? Well, when you when your tow partner's Lucas Chumbo, you kind of start thinking unrationally. And we've been training and, and hanging out, and he's just an absolute animal. I mean, gosh, if someone's crazy in big wave surfing, it's him. And he's one of my really good friends. So he we were getting each other all amped up before going out, and there was a heat before us. And we kept seeing all these rights and these waves that no one was going on. They were waiting for the bigger waves. And he was just like, you got to just try to hit the lip. You just got to do it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then when I was out there, I'm like, I don't know if this is a good idea. And that basically, that chop hop three to oblivion airdrop, that was my first wave. And I just grabbed the rope and I was just like, it's all or nothing now. We got to win this contest. So I went and then once I was tomahawking down the wave, I saw the lip kind of barreling over. I'm like, God, what an idiot. But then I came up and I was fine. Didn't have to pull my vest, which was cool. And then I kind of was just warmed up after that. And was like, all right, let's just try to, you know, win this thing. And you would have got lots of uh, likes and views on um, Instagram, on, on Zuck's platform there. Yeah. No, that was, um, that's always nice. And uh, I don't know. It was just fun. It's fun. Like, I mean, been riding big waves long enough. I want to try to do something a little bit different. And even if it's considered a chop hop, it's still better than going straight so you see a chop that's head high it's a perfect ramp and uh so 360s are only the beginning i'm sure it's gonna be coming down to 720s and 1080s in the next few years i mean you really think that though who's who out there let's be honest funny uh i telegraphed that you were going to be on today to a couple people when they said oh kyle any everybody just sucks his dick like ask him hard questions and make him feel bad, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I totally, it's kind of hard to make you feel bad though. When, when you are 
I mean, I'm really trying to think of a question that make you feel bad. But uh, you chop hopping head high sections in the middle of 50 foot waves is a little, I mean, it's hard to go anywhere from there except to tip a hat. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So you've you've spoken about um, uh, performance in big waves, having a long way to go. Where where can it go? I mean, not just strapped, obviously, because you're not going to be doing 1080s if you're not strapped up. Well, I think the progression of the sport has been going through the roof in the last 10 years when Shane really blew the lid open on paddle and surfing. Focus has been on that. And I think since then we've seen just psychotic surfing in giant waves. And I think a lot of people forgot about a little bit, except for maybe the slabs in Oz or um, Nazare. And I think there's just an opportunity to push that part of the sport further. I think the paddling is on a good trajectory. I think it's inevitable we'll kind of make adjustments to the boards and kind of follow suit what Albie's been doing on those tinier guns. It's just hard when you're out in a lineup and you're on an 8-8 and everyone's on 10-6s. You have to be sitting in a different spot. So I think once everyone kind of gets to that point where we're on smaller boards, taking off later, kind of doing turns on paddling, but when it comes to towing surfing, I mean, a lot of times Nazare is so windy and bumpy. I mean, it, I see no reason why to take, why not take inspiration from snowboarders? And those guys are, you know, just hitting cornices and pillow lines. And what they do at Alaska is far crazier, I think, than on a big wave. Because, I mean, if you fall, it's hard. And you might get buried in an avalanche. Where Nazare, you will get buried in an avalanche, but at least you have a, pull vest and you're probably going to come up. And then if you have a partner as nuts as Lucas, he's going to pick you up no matter what. So I have blind faith in whoever I'm towing with out there because I don't tow with anybody unless I fully trust them. So compare uh, Nazare to Jaws because when it first came onto the scene, it was just this big burger for Eurocooks and everyone would kind of laugh at it. And then Shane Dorian went and sort of went, oh, fuck, this place is actually pretty gnarly. So as someone who... Um, yes. So what's, what's your opinion of Nazare? I mean, Nazare is so heavy. I remember when it got on the Big Wave World Tour and, you know, everyone was riding it off. But I had this weird feeling that it was going to be way gnarlier than um, everyone was saying. And when I remember showing up and it was just 25 feet and huge and it looks like a mush burger. But the thing is, it's moving much quicker than most big waves because it comes out of that 10,000 foot deep trench and it just doesn't slow down. It goes from a 25 second interval swell all the way down to nine seconds. It stacks on itself so much. So having a two-wave hold down is incredibly easy there. You literally have maybe five seconds to pick up a guy if they fall. Like you have to be so on it. And even then, that's why you see guys get taken out by the jet ski all the time. And I mean, that wave will rock your world. Um, I've, this just past year, I've gone pretty pounded and it sends you so deep. You're just thinking about the next wave and it's really, I think, would be an easy wave to drown at, even with the inflation on a big enough day if you really mess up. And then that cliff, I mean, you saw Ross Clark Jones had to climb up that once, and that cliff looks so unforgiving. I mean, my board's gone on there and been destroyed, um, but fortunately, my body hasn't. I mean, if anyone has any doubt in that wave, I recommend they go and just stand on the cliff and watch it because it's ocean beach times 100. I mean, you kick out of the biggest wave of your life, and there's a bigger one closing out in front of you. Like wherever that channel was, it's gone. And you're just praying that your jet ski driver's on you, like white on rice. You, they have to be so quick 
And even then there's no guarantee you're going to make it. And so I'd say the scariest part about surfing that wave is literally kicking out and you can't even surf it just paddle surfing without a jet ski because same thing, you kick out and you couldn't paddle out of the way. You would just get super pounded. Oftentimes it's worse, you know, getting caught inside than it is falling on the wave you just rode. So I've seen a lot of guys when they paddle, they'll ride the wave and they'll just try to ride it straight to the sand and they don't have a jet ski. They'll walk up the cliff, you know, maybe hitch a ride or do 30 minutes down to the harbor and paddle back around. And they're pretty tapped. Jesus. Sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's, it's The place is all about who you're there with, though, too. You got to have people that amp you up. Like, all right, let's do it. So um, this last year, it was Lucas and Ian Walsh um, and myself and my younger brother, we kind of teamed up after the contest. And I, we had a really good kind of program going. It was so much fun. Just because those guys are so gnarly, you feel like forced to rise to the occasion. And you tell us about your younger brother. His name is Ridge, right? Yeah, Ridge. He's uh, Ridge does all the sports I do. He's definitely the smartest in the family. Just graduated from school for finance and accounting. Um, I couldn't do that. There's no way. But the guy, it's nice to have him in my corner since, you know, he's definitely the smartest one in the family. <laughs> you see all little and cute and golden brown like you? Uh, he's taller than me by a few inches, actually. But, uh, no, he's, uh, he's, get, he's dipping his toes into big waves, but only just for fun. So, tell, do, you, do you ever get scared? Like, you know, when you're surfing Nazareth and Jaws, do you ever get scared? And what does fear look like for you? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I'm petrified all the time. I'm, like, terrified. Like, constantly going, why did I get myself into this mess? Like, I'm in too deep now. Everyone thinks I'm a big, I'm, like, a fearless big wave rider. So, I just got to keep going, I guess. I mean, I could remember doing that Nazareth contest and just the night before going, oh, my God. God, like what, how did I get into this dumb position? And I thought that the first time I towed Jaws with Laird and Dave on the foil, was like, I remember just being on the cliff there and now I'm in here. I thought I wanted this. And then, you know, you get one good wave and it's like, all right, you survive one good wipeout. You're like, okay. And then 11 years go by and you're like, wow, I'm kind of in it. And I finally figured out how to like kind of get over that fear. And it's not necessarily just being like, I want to charge and get the biggest wave. It's like, all right, I'm focusing on my performance. Like for me, it has to be based on performance. It's not about like the wipeout of the wave or what could happen. It's like, okay, I want to try and air on this wave. Um, I'm going to try to get barreled, just focusing on what I want to happen and then just kind of shielding everything else. And, you know, it's fun when you're with other people who um, are just super crazy and going for it. Kind of like, crazy inspires crazy and makes you want to just step it up. And I don't know, I think a little bit different part of me comes out when the waves get really big. It's like something else clicks and I just start enjoying myself. Is, is the brotherhood in the water or in the lineup on those kinds of, I mean, is that just a singular experience where being out there with people who are similar minded in such insane circumstance? I mean, you, you guys are clearly laughing at each other, right? Like, yeah. There's no way anybody can be taking it seriously because if you're taking it seriously, nobody's doing any of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I felt like, I feel like the, the generation I've been coming up with, um, kind of the, the, like the Nathan Florence's, the Lucas Chumbo's, um, Ian Walsh even, uh, and Albie. And, you know, there's kind of a, a list of kind of the newer crew, Billy Kemper. Everyone is like, I would say pretty supportive. 
Um, when it comes to competition, of course, everyone's just goes for the throat and it gets pretty gnarly. But when we're out on the water, everyone's kind of cheering each other on. And oftentimes if someone doesn't like someone or is like something's going on, they're trying to call them into a wave they know is going to close out. And there's a thing, you know, like Alvy named his movie nervous laughter because everyone's constantly laughing. Like if you were to just sit out there, you'd hear constant laughter because some of the waves are so absurd looking and why would anyone want to ever put themselves in that position? But I feel like because big wave surfers have to just show up or they're not going to get a paycheck or any recognition. So some, some of the guys out there are definitely pushed against the wall. And, um, you know, I'm someone who could probably quit surfing big waves and still do all right. Um, just with my other sports, but there's a lot of guys there. It's like, I got to get the wave. I got, I just got to go, um, wipe out or not. I just got to from, for the little sponsors that I have. Um, so I think a lot of the people out there aren't doing it. Um, because, they obviously have to love it because there's probably other ways of getting that same amount of money. I mean, I think big wave surfers are probably pretty low on the payment totem pole. Who's, who's the least favorite guy who everybody's calling into waves just to hope uh, they get crushed. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm not paying that much attention. I guess I'm just like out there knowing the waves that I want, but I mean, I would, it's funny to see when Billy and Twiggy go at each other, especially in contests. Cause they're so, they can battle so hard. And usually you hope you're in the same heat with them because they'll battle over there and you'll kind of try to sneak over here and <laughs> try to get a wave like away because trying to out paddle them on their giant boards is pretty, pretty tough. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's definitely, I feel free surfing, everyone's pretty mellow. And if someone's in the spot, it's just like that person's going. Um, but yeah, when it comes to competition, there's like, like one contest a year. So everyone's just like, it's trying to go for a world title, basically. So Billy Kemper, Billy Kemper versus Twiggy is, is should be a very exciting thing to watch. So we should take particular oh, attention to that. So they should always be in a heat together, like just from a fan standpoint, because they are like, if you mic them up and put them in a in a heat together, they are just like hilarious because they're going back and forth, and neither will back down. They'll certainly not back down to the biggest wave of the day either. I mean, that, that wave that, um, that Twiggy won ride of the year last year, that was the same heat um, with Billy. Billy packed like a 60-foot wave as well. And he actually, Billy on one of the waves got just so absurdly pounded. And I think part of the reason those guys were going so full send in such treacherous conditions was because they were just battling each other out there. And I mean, that's what the people want to see is just these guys as gladiators. And you know, that's why they're probably two of the winningest recent big wave surfers because they just are full sand. What sort of things do they say to each other in the lineup? <laughs> I don't know. Just, just, <laughs> they're just back and forth. Like, why'd you do that? No, no, that's, that was my wave. And then I'm sure there's some cussing as well. I've heard of that too. But like, it's, there's a full reality show in the, these big wave competition um, heats. Cause think about it. It's an hour long heat or 45 minute, I guess, until the final finals an hour. And, you know, maybe there's 10 minutes of waves in between. It's like the longest waves and people are jockeying the whole time. If you really look close to like the, 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 the footage, you can see everyone's like constantly kind of moving. There's words being exchanged between a few select guys. And it's, 
it's pretty freaking hilarious. I mean, just on my GoPro, there's stuff I'll probably never let out because. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> now you, you have to. All these conversations, and I'm like, it's pretty funny. I mean, with the Kai, Kai Lenny unplugged sessions are going to be a massive hit from now on. Yeah. yeah, it could be. It could be the like if I'm losing traction on my videos, I just throw that out there, and maybe people will start listening again. <laughs> oh, the Kyle Lenny GoPro footage never meant to see, never meant to hear. Oh, it's so sick. Without naming names, what's, what's what would be the highlights? What would be the highlights? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to. You'd have to throw anyone under the bus. Just um, no names. Yeah. Just general. This highlights. is Beachcraft, where nobody ever gets thrown under the bus. <laughs> um, uh, Antidepressive. I've been in finals where people were like screaming at each other while getting caught inside and wanting to fight on the beach. That was pretty cool. And I was like, perfect, they're occupied. I'm going to go over here. Because I would say I'm pretty non-confrontational in any contest. I'd rather just go out there and serve. And so anytime two guys are kind of taken out of the equation, that's just a little more of an opportunity to catch a wave. And, um, you know, I've definitely, like, definitely, like, people are constantly jockeying. I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, like, fully, like, because in big wave surfing, there's no uh, priority system, zero. It's just get as many waves as you want on top of everybody. Like, doesn't matter if you snake them and you caught a wave 10 seconds ago. Because the worst thing about big wave surfing and contests is if you miss a set or aren't in the spot, that person usually has enough time to paddle all the way back out before the next set. And then they just sit right behind you and you're just like, because usually. So, wait, though. Okay. But with all this, let's be honest. Why? I mean, let's pretend a CT, I mean, a WSL, whatever, normal wave, whatever you call it. What do you call the regular surfing? I don't know, just the CT. Okay, so why in the hell are you not on the CT? You could out-jockey, out-vibe, out-scare. Imagine you're in a heat at Chopu, and it's like kind of big-ish with Philippe Toledo. <laughs> you own that all day, every day. Well, I think I think if the waves were big at these spots, like really big, there would be an advantage there. But these guys are so good at surfing. I think my surfing would need to be. I mean, you can kind of like, I don't know, jockey all you want, but in the CT, you still have priority, and they're gonna get a wave. And I don't think you can fear fear monger people all the way to the final. Like you're telling me, you you couldn't get a you couldn't get a better. All you got to do, Kai, is win ish quarterfinals at. Chopu, Pipe, J-Bay, Derek, West Oz. What? That's your, that's four quarters right there. You've already won the title. Kyleni, CT champion. and well, Maybe one day. Maybe, I mean, yeah, when you're like, so you're going to jump on the CT when you're 50 and just <laughs> yeah, start <possible>. schooling. <laughs> Kelly's going to be on till 50. My goal might be just to be on tour with Kelly because I think, I think he's going to go another 10 years at least. And then oh, after for that, sure. he'll be 60. Time. I mean, yeah, Kelly's going to be I, 85. That'd be so sick. You know, my suggestion for the tour, and it's probably dumb, but I always thought they need to have one wild card big wave event in it. And I don't even care if I'm in it, but like just one of the big waves on call all year. And maybe I, the tour, they don't even have it. But like, I mean, Chopu, Pipe, that's a big wave. Those are considered big waves, I think. But like where you need a 9-8 or all the way up to a 10-4. Uh, so... You have Nazare, Jaws, uh, Mavericks, 
if cloud rakes get gets giant and freaking maybe south africa somewhere i don't know like jules should definitely be on the tour there should be this definitely a trillion thousand percent if you can't like the world champion surfer should be able to pack a real bomb at jaws no i i think so and most of the people i think on the tour the thing is, is they all surf so good. If they just get over, I guess, the fear factor of surfing big waves, their skill set, they can surf that wave and get barreled, no problem. It's just overcoming your fear out in these big waves. And, I mean, it would be just so exciting to see your favorite surfer surf a 60-foot wave. I mean, Kelly has, right? Kelly's Kelly's packed some outer reef bombs. And has Kelly yeah. surfed Jaws? Yeah, right? Yeah, he surfed Jaws. I mean, Kelly's so good. He rips, like... I felt like I feel like if he wanted to spend more time doing it, he'd be easily one of the best out there because he'd be riding a smaller board and I think kind of getting barreled longer than anyone. John John is obviously won the Eddie as well, and he's remarkable. When he comes out to Jaws, he kind of makes it look easy too. So I mean, there's guys on tour that would just would be the clear favorites. I think the best thing about the event would be people would go in there with their favorite surfers, and at the end of the event, that favorite surfer would be their least favorite surfer, and they'd have new favorite <laughs> surfers. It would require, um, I think it would require people to, you know, maybe they get injured just before the event. I don't know. But it would be great just to see an event out there. I would give my spot to the CT guys if they wanted it. It would be just radical. You'd be, sitting, you'd be sitting in the channel laughing, wouldn't you? You'd be, uh, you'd be dying. You'd be shoving bean burritos in your face, crying, laughing. I mean, I think, though, they, they would, like, first year would be a little sketchy. Second year guys would get better boards and maybe come for a couple swells. I don't know. I think it would be like pipe where the CT guys actually start killing it. You know, um, you know, those are still some of the best pipe surfers. So I think the same would happen in big waves. It just might take a year or two for people to acclimate, but imagine the shock on their face when they'd be like, all right, one of the events is, a, is that jaws. So I mean, get rid of- we're trying to crown the best surfer in the world, right? I, yeah, I mean, there's no big wave tour anymore. And I mean, who knows if there's going to be any big wave events this year either. But I, I really think they just, even if it's YMA Bay, it would be just awesome if it was a big wave like on tour because it just requires a different approach to surfing. And yeah, the best surfers should surf two to 20 feet really good. Two to 50 feet, let's be honest. Yeah, well, Hawaiian scale, right? Because we're in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. So how how big do you call the, how big do you call those big days of jaws? Do you say that's thirty foot or twenty foot? Well, it's funny because I I I don't know. It's it's so funny because um, it never gets bigger than twenty five feet, even if it's a hundred feet. It's like no, it's twenty five <laughs> feet. <laughs> um, I mean, to me, I like calling it by face value just because um, it just seems cooler. It seems more exciting. It's better for storytelling because most people just don't get like. That wave looks bigger than 20 feet. No, no, it's the back though, you know, like, so, I mean, I've seen waves that are, haven't been ridden in our paddle sessions that are easily 70 to 80 feet, but I, they'll still be considered a 25 footer, which is just hilarious. Cause after that, the scale's broken. It's just no one measured. If you heard someone say it was 35 feet out there, they'd be like, what? That's like, you shouldn't be surfing. It's 35 feet. <laughs> It's like it's like a set to ten on your amplifier, huh? On your guitar amp, you got to put it up to yeah. eleven. Yes, eleven. That's <laughs> it. Do you ever see waves that? Um, is there a size of jaws that you just wouldn't touch? Uh no, not now. Um, I don't think I'll 
I mean, I always want it bigger. The biggest waves I've ever ridden, both there and Nazare and Mavericks as well, I've always wanted it bigger. Um, and I think it's just, you know, the bigger the wave, it's just a new kind of frontier. It's it's like at, after a certain size, once the waves get bigger than 60 feet on the face, um, something changes. They're moving a little quicker you can feel the energy kind of off of them. You know, it's just the dynamics change. I don't even know what it is. So any opportunity to ride something like of that scale, it's just nice because you really feel like it's just about survival. There's no like, oh, I might chop hop this wave. It's like, no, I just want to like make it. And then you hopefully position yourself to get barreled. And even if you're just in the pocket, you feel like you're on the edge of oblivion. And that's kind of fun to work your way deeper and deeper. But you only get gosh, an opportunity at a wave like that, maybe once a year, twice a year. Nazare, a little more often, but Jaws, I mean, you might go a couple of years without getting a 70-footer out there. Is this is this comparable or your experience to any, I mean, you snowboard, yeah? Yeah. So, I mean, is it is the experience comparable to anything like where anything that you feel like you're on the edge in the same way as when waves get over 70 feet? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, when I'm not a pro snowboarder, I love to snowboard, but I wouldn't say I'm like really good either. Um, I can, I could see going on like a huge mountain face, maybe in Alaska or in Canada or somewhere where it's just like, if you fall, you're tomahawking the whole way, that would be really terrifying. Um, the difference is I think, you know, you have time to kind of set up. Whereas when you're doing, um, like, big wave surfing, the ocean's flat and all of a sudden it's just giant. So you can't just like pick a moment to go do it. It's like when the moment happens, you kind of got to fall in line and go for it. And I think what's scary about waves is just the unpredictability of what it's going to do. To the best of my knowledge, I can understand, all right, waves probably going to do this because it's coming out of this swell direction. It's going to hit the reef this way at Jaws. But once I'm on the wave, there's still that unknown factor like, you know, what looks like a perfectly open face could just close out. Um, and a lot of times Jaws looks like a giant closeout, but it's such a perfect bottom that it just holds back, holds back, holds back. And in order to get barreled there um, is terrifying because you just, you're committing to what looks like a closeout. And then on a tow board, you're going so much faster. You really got to feel like you're just committing suicide <laughs> like it just seems surreal like why am i doing this and then all of a sudden you're in the barrel and the wave holds up for a second but like at nazareth as well you're going down the wave and you have no idea what it's going to do like it's a complete like wild card wave have, have you ever truly believed you're going to die um my first wipeout i ever had out of jaws dave kalama towed me into this left and it was a pretty big wave like it was I would probably put it in the 60 foot range. Um, and I fell at the end, it closed out and imagine the, you know, I was probably just turned 17. You know, I was just watching this thing close out in front of me and going, Oh my God, like, this is it. I'm dead hundred percent. And then I remember falling and opening my eyes and seeing just blue water and thinking I was fine somehow and just getting sucked backwards over the falls and just obliterated. When I came up, I was just, so relieved Dave was flying in on the jet ski and I was laughing. I'm like, pat my hand up, get me. And he's just zooms right past me. He's like, I'm getting your board. And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and then I went through another wave 
Because on the left, if you don't get your board first, it's destroyed. So he's like, of course, get your board first. And nowadays, that's what I always tell my ski driver. Like, if my leash breaks on my paddling gun or if I lose my toe board, it's like, always go for the board. Forget me. Because the board is like what keeps the dream alive. And you got to trust your equipment. And if you don't have a good board, well, then you're not even going to catch a wave. So Sean Walsh um, ended up coming in, scooping me up right after the next one. And it was totally minor, like my wipeout. And I mean, in my head, I was playing it like I was about to drown, but I somehow didn't. So I didn't wipe out for another like two years. And then, you know, thinking I was hot stuff, toe surfing jaws, like, oh yeah, like I could do this, you know, in my own head. Shane shows up, Ian Walsh, Simon Malowski, Yuri Soledad, just a few crew. And they just started paddling and it was just like, oh my God, this is so gnarly. <laughs> and I didn't have any paddling guns because it's so windy here. No one would paddle or just go tow. I mean, I paddled the outer reefs, but here you need like a completely different board for Jaws, like from the outer reefs. And the only board I had was this 9.8 SUP gun that I could stand a paddle on. And it was 28 inches wide. And I was out there on that day, Shane got that huge barrel he didn't make it out but it was the first this was be like right when he invented the inflation suit and the inflation changed the game entirely because now there was like okay you know for sure you're going to come up whereas before i mean that day ian walsh had a wetsuit top on i was stand-up paddling so i just had like a impact vest on and those didn't really float you all that well there was a lot of swimming involved and I ended up catching a pretty big wave. You know, I would, for like years after, it was still one of my bigger waves I paddled into, but it was on this huge stand-up paddleboard out of Ch- from China. It was like a pop-out, but it worked. And um, I got to see firsthand Shane's wave as he dropped in. And after that, I ordered a traditional paddling gun and that summer went by and it was October and then everyone started paddling. And it went from like five guys out at Jaws paddling to... I think there was like 50 or 60. And then Shane rewrote the book again and caught that crazy wave, that big barrel on that black-nosed, red-tailed board. So that, so, so Shane reinvented paddling surfing in, in massive waves, effectively, huh? So that was the moment. Um, yeah, I know. There was so many. There's people that definitely contributed to it. Like, I mean, the guys out at Mavericks were constantly pushing the limit. Like in 2010, that one big paddle contest, it was so gnarly. No vests, like surprised no one drowned but i think what shane did was he really like brought the attention to the entire world like hey look this is the next thing in big wave surfing like he sort of reinvented the wheel with a new technology and inflation vest and at that point too he paddled easily the biggest wave ever paddled and still to this day i look at that photo and it's still one of the bigger waves ever paddled in out of jaws like it is gigantic and he did it in 25 knot wins so i mean when it comes to big wave surfing Shane's like, he's one of the greats, without a doubt. Like, if you were to place his, like place people's names throughout history, he would be one of the guys on top of the list because he pushed it from towing chokes to paddling Waimea to, you know, Jaws and Mavericks. He kind of just, he showed what, everyone what was possible, I feel. Was that barrel the one where um, there's an Instagram clip and you look at the camera and go, my God, Shane Darian just got so barreled. Is that the yeah, one? Yeah, I think I said something like, like, oh my God, Shane Dorian got the biggest barrel ever, I think. That was, I think, what I said. Um, and I mean, yeah, I was standing literally on the corner of the boat and I just watched it firsthand. And it was a big day. And in the last 
hour of sunlight. That's when those two waves, and they were clearly the biggest waves of the day. He paddled into the first one. It from like even at nowadays, people would still consider it like where he paddled in crazy. But back then too, it just was such the unwritten realm. Like he took off behind the boil on the biggest wave of the day and was just, no one thought he was going to make it and pulled in and the wave held up and he was in the barrel and came out. And then Mark Healy paddled into the next one. Next one was just as big. He used backsides, just a total disadvantage on big wave surfing at Jaws total disadvantage gets to the bottom can't bottom turn quick enough and just gets lipped in the head in just a spring suit like just no inflation no anything and just got so pounded you just saw the contrast of what could happen either get the ride of the year or you just got the pounding of your life and mark healy is one of the best as well so you know he can hold his breath for like seven minutes anyway he was fine but it was just like, it showed the contrast all in one minute of what could happen. Did something shift inside you that you just thought, okay, cool, we can take off, we can paddle and we can take off very, very deep? Well, I think at that point, I didn't think I was anywhere near, could be anywhere near Shane's level. I just didn't feel like I had the experience or the knowledge or the trust. It's all confidence, big way of surfing. If you have, you know, basically 100% confidence in yourself, you're probably going to pull it off. It's that slice of doubt and with paddling surfing you just got a full full bore send it you can't like hesitate if you hesitate a second you get hung up and that half a second being hung up on the wave it's just game over you end up going straight or end up being late and getting lifted in the head so it's ironic that you gotta just like be comfortable in order to make it if you're like feeling uncomfortable it's just not gonna work and it's taken me years to get to that point and i think i'm finally arriving at a point where i've faith in my wave selection and faith in my ability, my equipment. But it, I think it takes about 10 years to gain that. And I've been surfing big waves for probably 11 years out there. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I would definitely say everything that I've learned is coming into fruition now. Are you really as lovely and happy as you seem in the press? Um, I don't know. I'm just myself. Usually I'm, I'm sure I drive my friends and family a little crazy since I have a ton of energy but that's why I take it out on the water. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just, I'm just myself 99.9% of, of the time. What, what really makes you fume? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty competitive. So if I lose a Jaws event, that will make me fume because like I should win that thing. <laughs> but, you know, everyone else is thinking the same thing as well. So, um, no, I don't know. I'm just, I definitely am seeking perfection and I always feel like I'm on the cusp of greatness, but as soon as I get close, um, it's kind of like Icarus where my wings melt and I fall back to earth. I'm so <laughs> close. And then I tear the ligaments in my ankle or, you know, break a bone or something. And then I'm like, Oh gosh. I mean, what, so, I mean what, so what, yeah. What represents greatness for you? I mean, what would be, obviously there's nothing, but theoretically in your mind right now, what would be the achievement that would make you think, okay, I hit it. Well, I think it's just like personal goals that I've set in front of me, which could be defined as greatness. It's to other people, it might seem like something dumb or nothing. And it varies for sure, depending on what I'm doing in my life. But um, I definitely like for big wave surfing, it would be like winning the Jaws contest or it would just be getting, I would say, the wave that I have envisioned in my head. Like the biggest wave of the day, paddle in, 
get barreled the entire reef, do a snap off the lip at the end. Or towing, it'd be like doing backflips and double corks and getting barreled. Like that's the kind of thing. Um, and and I use it, I use that term, the cusp of greatness is inspiration. Cause it's like, I'm kind of telling myself, all right, I'm so close to achieving whatever little goal, dream, big, small that is in front of me. I, I'm like close to it. Um, and I think just accepting that I'm close to it gets me closer. It's just like, you know, we're working in millimeters here when you, I think, are pushing yourself on the limit. Um, and that being said, you know, there's smaller things that I'm wanting to to do that I'm not even good at. And it's like, all right, I want to try to like, for example, now that I'm stuck on Maui for a long time, I'm getting better at mountain biking or whatever. It's just like I have like small goals that I'm trying to achieve. So that's what I talk about when it's like being close. Which, which athletes do you look at, uh, in non-surfing sports? I mean, is there any other athletes you look at that you think, okay, they're, they're an example of what I want to achieve? I, when I was really, when, when I was growing up and still to this day, I think the same thing, but, um, Travis Pastrana was always a huge inspiration because the guy was just, he, I would say seemed fearless but he was just so focused on what he wanted to do maneuver wise, trick wise on his dirt bike. And there was complete how good, confidence. He didn't how make good it. was it when he, when he snaked everybody at, I can't even remember what that, uh, snake. I think it was X games where he literally tried a trick, didn't make it on his dirt. He wanted to do something on his bike. Didn't a make it. And then, yeah. And then snaked everyone, went to the front of the line and tried it again. And then broke both or broke both his legs, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. That was well, an I mean, epic. It's awesome to get hurt, but I think he was just—I don't know if anyone really cared that much because I don't even think he cared if he won or if it counted. No. He just he wanted just to get—he wanted to hit that trick. Yeah. Yeah, and um, no, but I appreciate that because, and he's so—he's so talented across other motorsports that I was like, oh, if he can be really good at racing rally car, if he could be doing the freestyle. I mean, at one point he did the Supercross and Moto. But it just that was served as a huge inspiration. And then um, I mean, I, I kind of look at everybody in different sports, the top of their game. It's like what allows them to do what they do. And they're all very similar in their approach, but it's just cool how they do it. Travis Rice in Alaska is just ridiculous. And that's who I look towards for um, surfing big waves on a tow board. Um, and well, then, T-Rice, you know, old T Rice is starting a uh, big mountain snowboarding world tour. Would you hop on? <coughs> No way. I, you I'm not good at snowboarding. I would love to go watch it, though. I would not hit what he hits. He'd give you a wild card for sure. I don't know if he would. There's too many nuts guys out there. Maybe if oh, I no. just quit now and just move to the mountains. Maybe I could be uh, convinced him. I could, work you a t- I could work you a wild card. Yeah? Oh, okay, yeah. well, hit, hit me up when you get it, and I'll consider it. Oh, I'm already. But oh, you really? In? Yeah. Yeah. Screw it. I'm in. You only okay. live once. Done. <laughs> hey, hey, Kai, what's the, uh, what's the greatest struggle you've had to overcome? Um, I don't know. Just, I feel like, uh, I've been pretty lucky to have overcome just about everything that's been put in front of me. Um, but for the most part, I don't think I've ever had something that stopped me from being able to live my dreams and do what I love to do. I mean, injuries have always been kind of like the worst part of what I do because just as when, just as I seem to like start making traction in my own head of where I want to go, 
I get blown out. And there's been injuries that I've had where I thought they could have been career enders in some capacity. And that was pretty terrifying at the moment. I mean, the most recent one, for example, was when I was out of Jaws this year, the start of the season, um, a carabiner on my jet ski as it was going on the rocks, hooked onto my hand and ripped a hole through it and gave me this scar. And it just, the problem was, was it, it wasn't the the scale of the injury. I mean, it was a, it was relatively small and isolated to my hand, but I was worried I was never able to use my hand again. And the same thing happened out of Jaws with my fin when my fin cut straight through my toes and through my foot. I thought I was never even going to have the same. I wasn't feel my foot. And then um, it's just sort of been like kind of those hard injuries where it's like there's a couple week period where I'm just kind of concerned that. Oh, I might have to like switch careers for a second. And fortunately, like it's always been like you almost severed this. You've almost done that. You got really lucky. And so I do feel really lucky. And um, even on my worst days, though, uh, when things don't work out here on Maui, I just have to take a step back and like, look, I'm on Maui. Um, if all else fails, I'm still on Maui. And um, it's perseverance. It's it's kind of in my DNA that what my parents like, in, you know, gave both my brother and I, and, and I don't know, I, I think, I think things that might be a little bit heavier for other people. Um, I've been able to personally get through it. Cause I just don't see any other way. Um, it's not to say that other people, I think other people do go through probably gnarlier stuff than I have. At least I've always felt that way. Like I've been really lucky my entire life and I'm sure the gnarliest thing is still ahead of me, but come that day, I'll try my best to punch through it. Do you ever have any dark thoughts? Of course. Absolutely. Like, I think it's only human. I mean, I'm extraordinarily hard on myself. If I don't feel like I'm on, um, you know, the top of my game, it's like, what's the point, you know? And I think the only way I truly feel happy and stoked is if I'm constantly pushing myself on the edge and I'm always having to have a goal in front of myself. Like, just my worst nightmare, I'll tell you, my absolute worst nightmare would be to go on a vacation and sit in a chair by the pool. Like to me, that would just be terrible. I've, I think I've been running, running on the edge for a little bit too long to like slow down. And I think the scariest time is going to be when I have to retire from doing a lot of the stuff I do, like hopefully in my older age, if I can make it that far. And, um, but then just, I think it's re remapping the brain to, focusing on something else and not getting too hung up on what you do. You want a pro tip right here, Kai? Give it to me. It's it's Mai Tai. Poolside Mai Tai will The Mai Tai is the key. I mean, that's it. By four Mai Tais, you don't care anymore. You just feel like I crushed it. I'm Kai Lenny. You're holding your Mai Tai, sloshing it all over. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Kai Lenny, I did it. Yeah, that's it. I have a couple friends that I grew up with who said that they think I'm going to be a drunk alcoholic when like I'm old and over the hill. <laughs> like I, I, I will tell you, I'll tell, I'll tell you into those waves, Kai. Don't you worry. You call me when you're ready like to get you close out. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you straight in. It'll be beautiful. Wonderful. Bombs of your life. You'd be, you'd yeah. be drinking scotch and limes and doing push-up contests by the jacuzzi and then, then vomiting and just falling asleep and people carrying you back to the room. It's beautiful. I mean, if there's people willing to carry you back to the room, you probably did okay in life up to that point. You did it. You must kind of care about you. 
Yep. <laughs> Have enough Katie to carry you back to your room. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Kai. Last week, well, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking um, religion with Britt Merrick, the uh, the famous surfboard shaper. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Are you are you Presbyterian or Lutheran or Church of the Calvary by any chance? Uh, I mean, I I uh, I definitely. When I was growing up, we went to a Catholic church just down the road, and. I think for a moment there, I wasn't, I didn't really believe in much after that when I turned around 18. But then as soon as I started surfing big waves, uh, heavier, you're, you're regardless of what you think exists out there, you start praying to someone and something when a 50 foot wave is about to blow on your head. Like it's just the ultimate mirror. Um, and you know, I definitely think there's a higher power because if you don't believe it, you're probably not scaring the hell out of yourself enough. Um, that there's being no, said, there's no atheist in churches, huh? Hell no. I don't think Amen, so. Kai. I don't think so. I mean, if there is, I think there, uh, you have to be pretty narcissistic to be that way or have a death wish. I don't know. Preach it. <laughs> Brother Kai. Brother Kai. If, if, uh, if heaven is real, are you getting in? Um, that's not my decision. Hopefully I did everything right. But you, you could know. I feel you could actually foil to heaven right now, being Kyle. <laughs> I think you could hop on and just point west, and you'll be fine. Point west. Oh, it's heaven <laughs> west. I feel. I don't know. <laughs> follow the sun. It's follow the I mean, sun. it's definitely not Stop east. If he, if he points east, he's hitting California, which he, I will say is not heaven. <laughs> if he points <laughs> west, he's going to hit Bondi. Man, that ain't fucking heaven, brother. You just got to come in a little higher. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kaiser, do you think sex is better with love? Yeah, absolutely. So do I. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's better, of course. How could it not be better? It's the most beautiful thing in the world, sex with love. It is. So I think we're all going to heaven. We're all going I to, hope we're, so. We're all going to sexy heaven. <laughs> I'm going to have to get Derek in heaven. heaven. Honey, babe. <laughs> what? Can Kyle Lenny uh, be part of Travis Rice's big mountain invitational? I mean, maybe I know he likes Kai Lenny a lot. I've got Travis Rice's agent right here, Kai. And I already told Kai he can get in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that we happily give him a wild card as long as he, like, goes and takes him to do something dangerous and exciting in Hawaii. Done. All you have to do is take Travis to do something exciting and dangerous in Hawaii, and you've got your wild card, Kai. I told you I could get you one. Wow, you didn't believe that, me. I, I thought you were bluffing the whole time. I, I know. I was not, I never bluffed. You're good. You're good. <laughs> You're really good. So when is, I, when, is, when is this damn fucking big wave, big mountain thing, Chaz? Isn't when it is called it, honey, babe? natural? Uh, February. Natural selection. February. Kai? Natural Wild selection. Card. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Perfect. So you just I'll got some there. unnatural selection then. Kai yeah, said. No, this doesn't seem like it's natural selection. It seems forced. It is unnatural selection for you. You're the unnatural selection, unnaturally selected wild card. Oh, you! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kai, we'll let you. Um, we'll let you take off and um, start practicing your snowboard uh, moves because you got you got All a right, big contest. Go you got a big contest. Yeah, you got a big. Uh, you got a big contest ahead of you, brother. Yeah. Kai, the the only question Travis Rice's manager asks is, are you willing to bubble with eighteen snowboarders in the era of COVID? Um, if they don't have COVID, I mean, they might, all of them might, they're snow, they're Wyoming snowboarders. Let's be honest. That is very true. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of protocol where everyone has to get tested though. So, I mean, 
who knows? I oddly enough, I tried get doing the QS this year, thinking, okay, I'm gonna commit myself to it. And I was in China when the whole thing broke out. Go figure. <laughs> So I, I, I think I've been as pretty as close as one could get since the beginning. What were you doing in China? <laughs> Grinding out in the Corona Pro. <laughs> <laughs> what's the Corona? What's the Corona Pro? No, was they had the, 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 the one thousand. Um, yeah, it was, like, it, it was literally Corona, wasn't it? Yeah, it was sponsored by Corona, which is just yeah. so ironic. And then <laughs> the contest ended, and I went to Nazareth, and I drug along my best friend Ian Gentile. And the whole thing started to just explode. Like literally the moment we left China, it was like lockdown. And then, so we go to Europe and then we dick around at Nazareth for a couple of weeks. And then we head back to California and then Europe shuts down. And then we go to Hawaii and then California shuts down. It was like, oh, great. This is not good. <laughs> what were you doing at a once at a 1000 um, WQS event in China? Well, China. so, um, so my, all my friends are on the QS. A lot of them are. And it's just, I was like, heck, I want to get in into the trenches with you guys. Cause they're always coming back saying, Oh, the Q, like they call it the Q. It's so gnarly. It's just like so grindy. And I'm like, Oh, it sounds kind of fun. And I mean, I wonder how I could do. And I mean, I learned a lot. I did, did terrible in the event, but I learned how to do the queue now. Like, okay, I kind of get it. I've got to have this kind of board. I got to approach it this way. You got to do these type of maneuvers. That's what the judges wanted. So it was like, I just enjoyed the process because I feel like if I'm, if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not going to be forced to learn something and you can't learn how to do the queue without just getting on the queue. I mean, I was talking to JJF about it and he's like, gosh, the queue is just so gnarly. I'm like, yeah, I remember when when I was growing up and you would always come and do the local contest. And then I didn't see you for like five years. It's like, Oh, I was lost on the queue. And it seems like a <laughs> common thing. And I'm like, maybe I should go get lost on the queue. Cause all these guys usually come out. Well, either like world champions or pretty off worse. So it's just, I, maybe it's just luck at that point and a choice. <laughs> do you call John, John JJ after sometimes or just John? I don't know. It's like just JJF's. He's so good. They named him twice. It's pretty cool. I wish I was named twice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it just doesn't have the same ring. I think it sounds kind of like only what my girlfriend would call me. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, 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 uh, Oh, it sounds kind of fun. It was the first time I've heard you sound Hawaiian this whole time. When I was growing up, I just, I never um, learned how to speak pigeon at all. Like, born and raised, <laughs> all, a lot of my friends learned, and I felt like I... Then once they announced it was an, a language, an actual language, I felt bad because now I... One less language I know. And so I've been <laughs> on it lately. And, I mean, with the whole COVID thing, a lot of parts of this island, many of the other islands, people are very territorial right now. And in order to get to certain waves you like you got to sound like you're from here and i do not sound like i'm from here so <laughs> i've been trying to work up on it me and nathan florence have been practicing together <laughs> you have you guys done a podcast with nathan florence you should no, no he should be next I don't, I don't think i don't think nathan's ever forgiven us for a uh, an interview we did years ago really what did yeah. you do that i didn't do anything but he um you know he's pretty candid and pretty funny but then he got a girlfriend and i think that um 
that kind of upset him. I think he asked me to pull it down and I said no. And that was the end of our friendship. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> if you can get him on, he, everyone knows he's one of the funniest guys in surfing right now. So I think he just, he, he could go off. I think he's, I think he's wonderful. Can we put, can we say that um, Kai told us you should come on and had, you had such a great time? Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> Do you call him NF? <laughs> no, that's no, a rapper not. though, a Christian rapper. If Who you want to know. Well, how do you how do you know about Christian rappers? Um, they play them on the radio sometimes. DC but Talk. Were you a, were you a yeah. DC Talk fan? No, I don't know who that is. Decent Christian Talk. They were the hottest Christian <laughs> rap group when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. I got them up. Decent Christian Talk. Go hit it up. Nineties <laughs> Christian rap, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're really hitting the gold. <laughs> no. So Chaz, what's what's next for Kai? Had it for the uh, for his invitation, or what does he need to do? Oh, it's done and dusted. Kai, you in? You ready to bubble with uh, snowboarders, Jackson yeah. Hole? Okay, done, sold. Go to Jackson Hole in February. This Perfect. Feb. This Feb. Do you, think, do you think November tenth the coronavirus will be done? No, but the this this event is good. Travis Rice is bigger than the coronavirus, and so he'll will this thing into existence. It's all happening. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. there's certain people in this world that are bigger, so yep. that's good. Yep. And T-Rice is one of them. There. And so you're in. You got your wild card. Congratulations. Let's go train right now. Go ride your something down a mountain in Maui and train. I'm going to start getting into mountain boarding here since yeah. we have mountains, but we just don't. You have mountains and you have nothing else to do besides do. It's a break, break myself off before that's that. That's it. Perfect. That's all you got. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kai, thanks for your time. Been, uh, been wonderful. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. Never thought I'd get this call up, so I'm stoked to have taken it. <laughs> it's great to have you, man. And Chaz, stay on the line because we have to record an ad. Okay, perfect. Right. Record the ad. <laughs> Aloha. Brown. Thanks, Kai. See you, brother. Love you, Kai. <laughs> For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.